Freedom Center. Hey, let me just start this morning by saying this. I am um, I'm grateful to those who have filled the pulpit the last two weeks, Pastor Carl and Dina, who uh, did a brilliant job. And I, it's just nice. I, it's nice to be missed. Like, hey, we missed your face. Hey, we missed you at church. Hey. No one said, hey, we missed your sermon. <laughs> and you may say, that's kind of funny. Like, it's really, I may just know that's a, that's a healthy thing. We're not, we're not fed by a man. We, we believe that we're fed by the Holy Spirit through a variety of people and groups and on Sunday mornings. So I'm just, how many of you guys appreciate Pastor Carl and Dina's word the last couple of weeks? <laughs> I actually had somebody walk up to me this morning and say, who's speaking today? And I said, I, said, I am. They said, oh. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with that? You know, what's that, what's that mean? He goes, oh, I just, I thought maybe Dina had a wrap up like from last week or whatever. <laughs> just leave me alone. I had two men pat me on the butt on the way into church today, which was weird. I'm not quite sure. Um, I tucked in my shirt, you might notice. Someone said, yeah, I've never seen you tuck in your shirt before. This is why I tucked in my shirt. There's a spiritual reason. Uh, my shirt was wrinkly from here down, so I decided to tuck it in because <laughs> I was too lazy to iron it. Anyway, um, how many of you guys know this, that if, if you are living for Jesus as light, as salt, light, light opposes darkness. That makes sense? If you're doing what is right, you're doing what is right in place of what was once being done there. Your, your life changing, your community changing, even your church changing will cause defiance. It will cause a resistance. And so today, we're going to take a rare moment and talk about spiritual warfare. You say, why is it rare? I, I just think sometimes if you're so on mission, the devil can't get a hold of you. That's a good thing, right? But occasionally, there are times where we have to stop and say, if we're going to fight the devil, this is how we do it. And maybe I should have preached this a few years ago, but in lieu of planting a tree years ago, let me plant one today. I want to show you where the, where the attack starts. I want to show you how Nehemiah responded to this with the people next to him and how they all came together in time. And let's take a look. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, read this with me. He what became and was greatly, okay, he also what? ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates. Oh, and by the way, the army of Samaria. How many guys know someone starts lipping off to you like, you and whose army? He's like, theirs. So there was one. Uh, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life on those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they're building, even a fox climbing on it would break down their walls of stone. So let me ask you this. Let's just take a look. The, the beginning of the attack is usually this anger and ridicule. What is anger? When someone's angry, they're greatly incensed and they're angry. Understand this, guys, that the Hebrew language, the original writing of the story, doesn't have things like all capital letters like we do in text messages. It didn't have punctuation marks. So when somebody wants to make a point, they said they were, they were angry, they say they were angry. If, if they're more than angry, they try to find additional language. So they were angry and greatly incensed. They ridiculed. So their reaction is extraordinarily strong. And you say, why, why are they so upset? And this is why, hear me. Most of the time when there's a conflict, it's because what we're doing, who we are, the testimony of our lives, it produces fear in someone else. I'm afraid that if you do this, then I'll lose my place. If you do this, then you're saying that I'm wrong. What are you saying? I'm wrong? And so often we will find ourselves in the process of being like Jesus in a world that isn't like Jesus. And the first reaction we'll get will be fear, but we don't see the fear. We see the anger. You guys know what I'm talking about? Say amen if you're still with me. So, you know, what are, what are our relatives all upset about? Now, sometimes they're upset because we're obnoxious. Sometimes they're upset because we're right. Sometimes they're upset because we're righteous. 
And in living a certain way or coming out of a certain life, if it proves that anybody else can come out of it too, those who are more comfortable in it will point to those who've gotten out of it and say there's something wrong with them. Understand this. We have to deal sometimes with people's fears about what the church is, who Jesus is, what God's all about. And, and it's, just part of the, it's just part of the gig. It's not, it's not like they shouldn't be afraid. They should be afraid. We're upsetting an apple cart. We're approaching a school board meeting. We're, we're talking to our neighbors about Christ. We're praying for the sick. These things are upsetting to someone who just wants life to be a certain way. Does that make sense? So they're greatly incensed, they're angry, and they, their weapon of choice is words. They began to ridicule. What they're doing is, you know, these rocks are just, there's, it's rubble, you're feeble. If a fox climbs, that, that's your wall? No sweat. Good stiff breeze will blow it over. What are they doing? Understand this, guys, that when anger is insufficient to defeat the, the people of God, ridicule is what often comes next. Do you see that? You still here? Ridicule comes next. Why? Because if there was a logical argument, they would have a logical argument. But if there's no logical argument, all that's left is just kind of maligning people into a position of we don't pay attention to them. Why? Well, because they believe. Well, because they do. Well, because they love. Listen, we, if you're doing something right, there's going to be a fight. Say it with me. Come on. If you're doing something right, there's going to be a fight. Some little prophetic person over here got the, the line, the second line first. If you're doing something right, there's going to be a fight. It's just the way it is. It's the way that it has always been. So what did they do? You ready? They prayed. Say, well, I, I, I appreciate that, but we actually have a problem going on here. Is it time to pray? Listen, when your enemy is fighting like hell, don't join them. Join Christ. When your enemy fights like hell, we need to fight like heaven. Because we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. We, well, those words, that was mean. I need to prove that the ridicule is wrong. Somebody give me a fox. Let the fox run on the wall. Let's build one section of the wall to prove them that the concept, like, we don't need to address an unbelieving world when they're angry and ridiculing. What we need to do is pray for an unbelieving world to see what we've seen, to know what we know. When your enemy fights like hell, make sure you fight like heaven. They didn't pray in a sense, to inform God. God, because you're distant, because you're, you know, from a distance, Bette Midler theology, God is watching us and we are the wind beneath his wings or whatever. You know what I mean? They, they just said, listen, we're going to inform you. They didn't do that. They said, we're going to invoke you. God, you see this? We're asking you now, Father, to engage in what's happening on the attacks of your sons and your daughters. And this is, this is bad theology, but in essence, this is a Sikkim Jesus prayer. Sikkim Jesus. Now, Jesus isn't going to go destroy them. Come on. But there's going to be a fight. So this is their prayer. By the way, we live under a different covenant, but let's enjoy their covenant for one moment, can we? Hear us, O God. We are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Enslave them for their insolence. Don't cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. As much as it would delight me to pray a prayer like that sincerely at times. Jesus hanging naked on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. So I don't, I don't, that's a great Old Testament prayer. The problem is we live in a New Testament. The covenant we have, we defeat darkness with light. We defeat hate with love. 
We defeat division with an example of our unity. We, we literally are the contradiction to the failures of the world. We are to live in such a way so that all men see what we do and, and glorify our Father in heaven. Even if they don't know him, they just go, I just, I just praise God for that church because when I was in need, that was the church that reached out to me. When I was really low, that was the church that called on me. When I was really just distant from everybody, I didn't have family members, but somebody in that church reached out and invited me to come to church. Like literally, our lives are supposed to be so salty, so rich, so good, so intact, so right, that people say, I don't know what you have, but I want who you are. And in the process, they become who Christ is. When fear and ridicule are used um, as weapons, um, that's one thing. How many of you know words are words? But what happened was because they went to God in prayer, they reminded themselves of their mission. They reminded themselves of the the, the compassion. They reminded themselves of what they were actually doing there, of what their enemies were and who God really was. It goes on to the next phase. This is what happens. They moved past the attack and they stayed the course. Look at this. So we rebuilt the wall until all of it reached half its height. How many of you guys know what half a wall is? Half a wall is a, a, a speed bump. It's something an army has to pause at as it goes over the wall and kills everybody inside the wall. So half a wall is half a wall, but it says we built it at half its height, 28 days into the 56-day project. It's halfway done. For the people who work with all their heart, listen to this. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the people of Ashdod heard that the repairs of Jerusalem's wall had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, what happens again? Now we just got scarier. Look what happened. So what happened? What is their reaction to our righteousness? It is, they're angry, Right? And they plotted together, but now it's not just words. They plotted together to fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. They set out to destroy the people that were frightening them. They set out with physical attacks. They set out with with a a, a plot, a plan. At night, in that low spot, we will together rush over and we will destroy. So understand this. When when it's words, we should be talking to God. When, When the words of men are talking to us, we should be talking to God. You get that? When the enemy attacks and slanders, what do we do? We pray. And, and we invoke our God into this fight, not to destroy our enemies, but I guess to destroy our enemies in the sense that they're no longer our enemies, they become our brothers, right? That's, that's what Jesus does. But it's no longer a war of words. The threat is now physical, so what do they do? This is, now hear me, this is important. But we prayed to our God and, everybody say and. And we countered the threat by posting a guard day and night to meet the threat. Now this is wisdom, I'm not saying um, everybody get an M16 and hang outside your house at night. I'm not saying if anybody dare opposes this church, we should physically be prepared to kill them. But, but in a physical threat, they had a physical response. Why? Because there was a counter that directly matched the attack. So let's say it's legal. Let's say it's moral. Let's say it's ethical. Let's say it's doctrinal. Understand this. It's not enough to be right. Right is being something, but righteous is the action behind being right. So they, when you're under attack, it's not enough to say, well, they just don't know, well, there's compassion. When the attack becomes something more, understand this, before God, you have rights to take a defensive position and defend what God has given you as yours. Something comes against your family and you're praying, pray, but ground your teenage daughter and tell her boyfriend, Snake, you own a gun collection. <laughs> I've ever shown you my gun, Snake? Come here, let me show you. And then take them straight to the garage and say, you ever seen a shovel like that before? I can dig a hole about the size of you in about three minutes with that shovel. And I'm not afraid to go back to prison. And Snake will do what snakes do. He'll slither off and you say, you, I hate you. Why did you? Because I countered the threat to my family by using force necessary to deter the actions of the enemy. I use authority. Does a father have a right not to threaten the child? 
But does a father have a right to set parameters around minor children? Of course they do. Does a mother have a right to set parameters? Of course they do. Does, 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 are there laws in our land that set parameters and should they be enforced? Absolutely, hear me. What I'm trying to say is this. If the enemy's coming after us physically, then having a physical deterrent is important. Do you see that? But there's more than one way to come across. I remember years ago, we had a, we didn't call it Halloween because we didn't celebrate Halloween or something. It was a long time ago. Church has changed a lot, but we don't celebrate Halloween because, you know, it's the devil's holiday. I thought, man, the only holiday the devil gets in this town is when we go in our basement and pretend he's not real. So let's come out of our basement. The whole community's knocking on our door saying, give me something. We're going to give you something. We're going to give you the good news of Jesus. We're going to give you smiles. We're going to give you full-size candy bars. Because little, how many guys know that like the little penny candies, that's for cheap people that don't like children. That's what those are. But the Snickers bars, baby, those are like, I, the kids come out of our door, Dina goes shopping, she comes back, and Willy Wonka is like a millionaire, you know? And I say, put, now dig your hand there, as big a handful as you can get out of that bowl, and they dig it out. And they never forget the house for that really nice guy. I dressed up my bulldog in a, in a shark costume. And the first kid that walks up, maybe eight years old, goes, oh, bull shark. <laughs> I want to get his name because someday I'm probably going to work for that kid. He's that sharp, right? But, but th- there is this, there's this outreach. And so we said, it's so big, it's going so well. Like, let's, let's get tents on each of the three elementary schools in the Fenton School District. And we'll just put on, like, we're salt, right? We don't change the flavor of the community. We enhance the flavor of the community. We're not cinnamon. Cinnamon changes the flavor. Cumin changes the flavor. Pepper changes the flavor. But salt brings out the flavor. Our community had a great flavor. Let's just bring Jesus into that and love on some kids, right? So I went to the school board, said, can I have this? They said, Jim, do whatever you want to do. I'm like, yes, sir, there we go. Next year, can we do that? Well, we've had some complaints, um, but, but do it again. And, and, but this might be the last year. So we did it again. It was awesome. Third year, hey, can we do this again? They said, well, the school board would like to have a public meeting and bring this up. But I'm warning you ahead of time, they're going to vote no on it. So how many guys know, I already know that they're not going to allow us to do what we believe the Lord wants us to do in loving kids. The complaints have not, this is terrible, the complaints didn't, the complaints didn't come from a Muslim family. The complaints didn't come from an from a atheist family. The complaints actually came from people in a church because they felt like we were given permission to do things their church wanted to do but couldn't do. They got upset about it and they started complaining. Isn't that shocking? I worked out everything with the pastor after I threatened to kick his butt publicly one time, just one time. He said, you're all, I kicked my chair out. I said, on your feet right now, old man. I'm going to kick your butt outside. Brother, brother, brother nothing. We're reaching people for Jesus. What are you doing, old man? Now I'm the old man, and I understand a little bit more than I did then. But, but Pastor Dave and I worked it out. We gave each other a hug. It was five years later, but we worked it out. And before he went on to be with Jesus, whom I know he loves, we had worked everything through. Somebody say amen. Love, love one. I did get put in jail for beating up a fellow pastor and... Let's all celebrate that, shall we? So I go to the school board meeting, but I came with something that they didn't know I had. Lamb's Chapel versus the Board of Education, Supreme Court ruled that you cannot discriminate against a group because it's religious in nature if you allow the grounds to be used by any other group, Boy Scouts, Little League, uh, ASYO soccer. So I brought a Supreme Court ruling with me. They said, we we're going to deny this and we're sorry, but uh, we've had a lot of complaints. I said, well, before you do, let me just, I want to hand this out to you. And I, and I just prepared myself. What I did was there was a threat to what God wanted to do. So what we do, we counter the threat. Does this make sense? An informed person is never at the mercy of somebody with an argument. 
if you're right, why not be right? So humbly, believe it or not, very patiently, believe it or not, I said to them, hey, here it is, guys, the Supreme Court's already ruled on this and you cannot deny this. They said, well, what, what sort of outhouses will you have? What about the kids have to go to the bathroom? I said, we'll have the same outhouses that Little League has. Well, what about security? How will you secure the perimeter? We'll have the same security that you require of every other group, which is nothing. But we'll have better security because we actually have security. And by the time they're done, they voted seven to one to allow us to do it. Why? Because we didn't back down when we were right and we had rights to be right. Does that make sense? So they're coming after them physically. They counter that enemy's action. When we are serving the Lord and he's called us to do something, God will always make a way for that thing to get done. So, well, they said no. Well, God's actually in charge of a lot more stuff than we give him credit for. Right? The enemy upped the game then and he went straight to, and this is long before this happened, but he went straight onto Facebook and this is what happened. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, so this, this is them. This is not the others. This is us. This is us that's doing this. The people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out and there's so much rubble, we can't rebuild the wall. Well, remember it said in an earlier verse that half the rubble was gone because half the wall was built. So the day they began building the wall, there's actually, by definition, at least half the rubble is now gone and back into the wall. There's not more rubble. There's half the rubble, but they're discouraged. Why? This is why. Hear this. Our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there among them and we'll kill them. We'll put an end to this work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Listen, when the physical attack failed because the counter to the physical effect, understand this, and I, I want to say this well. Um, in, the, in the history of Christianity and also in the personal relationships I've had with, with the church, my entire life. These, these both had the same testimony. No church has ever been destroyed by the outside. It's destroyed by the inside. And so if, if, if the school board, if the devil's thing is to shut us down, the school board didn't, and the, the physical, the, the, the mental, the, then what happens is how do we get people inside the organization to begin to complain and fear? Listen, you gotta hear me. Your life is going right now in the direction of your strongest thoughts whether it's vengeance or love, whether it's justice or injustice, whether it's peace or war, your life right now is heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. It's mourning, it's celebrating. Your life is heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And, and there are seasons for all thoughts, come on. But I would say this, remember this, if the devil can't beat us from the outside, he'll try to beat us from the inside of our family, from the inside of our marriage from the inside of our church, from the inside of our denomination. Because the devil doesn't need to defeat us. All he has to do is distract us to make us useless. Strange silence comes over the church sometimes. It either means I didn't make my point or you're under conviction. So let me say it again, just, just in case it's the second one. When we are distracted by the words of the enemy, we are, we are not contacting the words of our king. If our life is focused on what happened yesterday, did you hear about that? And now the courts and you know the system and that group and you know where the money went, you know those people, those mega, you the, and stop. If you have, if you're all upset about the scandals but you spent no time praying, you're not even engaged, you're fighting like hell, not like heaven. If we're all upset about every issue, listen, the church has been divided because it was saturated with information that caused us to choose sides. But if our information steals from us our dedication to one king, we find ourselves unable to do anything about the world around us because we're just as polluted as they are.
our hearts, our minds. And I'm here to tell you, you want to change the world? Find someone else who loves Jesus and connect. Find someone else that, that embraces the word. Find someone else who prays. A prayer meeting will always have greater success than a political meeting. Not against political meetings, but if all your meetings are political, if all your meetings are agenda, if all your meetings are for this cause, remember, please hear me, that a church that doesn't pray is failing by default. We're invoking God into the situations. When all I trust is the power of man, I'll get in a big group of men. But when I trust the power of God, I'll find myself alone on my knees with the king, asking him to do what only he can do. Come on, somebody say amen. So what do they do? Nehemiah uses truth. Let, let, let's, get, let's get off of that. Let's just see what's really true. Here it is. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and everybody that's there, don't be afraid of them. Look at this next word. Say it with me. He says, remember. Understand this, guys. Before the camera, before the video recorder, before the audio recorder, we had something called memory. And a memory was, they, they would go back to a point where God had spoken, where, where, they, where they knew what they were doing was right, where they were standing on a promise. Now, warfare is all around them. People are threatening to kill them. There, there's all sorts of things. They're in and among us and all these threats, and we don't know what to do. He says, stop. Remember when God came to that place. Your, your wives. Fight for your homes. He brought every great yesterday into that moment and said, this is why we're fighting. We're fighting to build. It has, we're building something that requires it. But as for today, they threw with bashing. Remember, and this guy comes and says, listen, I've got this word. They're coming to kill you. They're coming to get you. You, you got you to gotta, like, run. Matter of fact, let's go into the sanctuary, get behind the altar, and we'll hide there. And, and by the way, all of it wasn't true. What they were trying to do was discredit him. Like He's asking you guys to risk it all, but as soon as he gets one threat his way, he's going to go hide behind Jesus and not fight. They were trying to discredit the father, trying to discredit the leader, trying to discredit the mayor, the governor, whoever, whoever it was in their life. He's trying to discredit just like he will in your life. And look what Nehemiah says. I love this. He says this. But I said, should a man like me run away? I don't even know what that means, but it makes me cry. Should a man like me, like, I, this might kill me, but I've chosen to live this way. This, this might be the end of me, but I will die doing something for, for which it's worth giving my life for. I will give, I will serve, I will dare, I will defy, I will ignore, I will attack. Should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? Because I will not go. Hear me. And you got to get this. This is like we talked for 20 minutes so we can talk for the next two. You still here? You get anything out of this? means something to me. I hope it means something to you. I, I know it's, like, but my, my attack is very different than this, and I get that. This, is, this has more of a rifle to it than a shotgun to it, and I get that. But as I was preparing this message, I wrote it out and went, I don't even know what that's about. Like, I know, I know of no one that needs that message, God. Are you, have you ever had that, like, I'm going to cook this, and no one likes this, so I'm cooking this, but then somebody comes over, that's their favorite meal? That, that's what it felt like to me. Within, within hours of writing that, I started getting text messages, and, uh, voicemails and secondhand conversations of an attack and I, I remember the first thing I did was like I just I am so tired I'm so I did exactly everything they did and they're you know they, man I these are people I trust I can't believe I just, uh, and and I, I came back as I felt the Lord said hey remember that sermon let's let's kind of put something to work have you prayed well no but I've complained and how's it going feels pretty good. I built a case against people. 
so I, I feel more right, even though I'm less righteous for doing it. So I began to pray. It took about three days for me to kind of work through this. I'm glad, that, to my knowledge, it's worked through now. But, but I want you to hear this. Like, please hear this. Nehemiah and you, you're no longer a slave. People are going to have opinions. People are going to have arguments. People are going to attack. So he no longer thought like a slave. He, he no longer surrendered like a slave. He no longer was afraid like a slave. He decided not to live or to die like a slave. So here's, here's my advice to you. If you know who you are, remember this. You can't be defeated. Even, even like Paul dying by being beheaded, was he defeated? <laughs> no. The blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. It just confirmed to those who witnessed that it wasn't a big con, that it wasn't a big lie, that it wasn't too good to be true. If a man like Paul was willing to die for a message like the gospel, the gospel must be true. Paul could have never guessed that in the city where he was executed, an emperor would sit about 100 years later and institute Christianity as the state religion of Rome. And the Roman Catholic Church was born in the third century, 212 AD, because of a man who decided to live it even if it killed him. And John was there. Peter was there. I've been in the prison cell where Peter and, and Paul were both held before their executions in Rome. And you just kind of sit there and you go, man, it's worth living for. It's worth dying for. It's, it's, this is life. This is everything. Um, you have a purpose. Pray. Post a guard and pray. Don't quote your enemy. Remember who you are. Remember who God is in you. Remember, you have a purpose. Remember, if you don't know who you are, you can't be victorious. Remember, if you do know who you are, you can't be defeated. Do you know what you're called to, church? Do you know what you're doing here? Do you know what's next? Do you know why God made you? I, I find the number one question people are asking recently, which is odd because we've been talking about it for a decade now, is I don't know my purpose. Not, I think I do, but it doesn't seem to catch on. I, I think I do, but then there's opposition. I think I do, or I, or I just don't know. Hear me. Just because there's opposition, maybe opposition isn't evidence that you're in the wrong place. Maybe opposition is the evidence you're in the right place. Maybe, maybe opposition to the idea or people saying, I'd never work. It's, it's not going to do it. Jesus said to his friends, I will be executed like a criminal. I'll lay down my life. I'll be crucified. I'll die. And his friend, not because he didn't love him, but because he did love him, stood up and Peter said, I won't let that happen. And the same man to whom Jesus just said that you know, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God, he goes, yeah, Peter, God shows you this. The next paragraph, he says, I won't let you die. I'll, I'll prohibit it. I will stand in the way of that. I will fight against that. And Jesus goes, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> How many of you guys know being a friend of Jesus has a lot of ups and downs? He's like, I've, 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 God showed me something. I'm the devil. And it was like three minutes apart. But understand this, guys, hear me. Peter was in opposition to Jesus's life goal because he loved and not because he didn't. People will stand opposed to you because they love you, not because they don't sometimes. People will stand opposed to you because they hate you. People will stand opposed to you because you scare them. People will stand opposed to you because your obedience makes their disobedience look pretty bold. I just have wisdom. You have faith. No, I have faith and you have cowardice. That's not always true, but you know what it is? Well, I would never go. I would always, I would stop. Obedience produces fruit. I would just say this to you today. I, I want you to know something. I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. If you're on the right side, sooner or later, if you're living right, there's going to be a fight. And you need to pray and fight like heaven. 
you, you need to stand opposed with, with a, an authority that contradicts the enemy's attack if it comes to that. You need to make sure that the people in you and around you that are a part of your life, that you keep them on track because once the devil starts talking in your crowd, sooner or later we go in the direction of our strongest thoughts and we condemn what God was building. We need to stand strong as families, men. Come on, say amen. Women, come on. You need to stand strong in, in your role in the family. Children, we need to stand strong in our role. Church, we need to stand strong in our role for this community because we got a fight ahead of us this summer. I'll warn you right now. All summer long, we're talking about being salt and light. And every Sunday, we're going to preach something. And every Thursday, we're going to the streets to do what we learned. We're going to be in this city like we've never been in the city before. I'm announcing today. I didn't plan on doing this, but it sounds like fun, so I'm just going to do it. Here it comes. Out of my mouth. We have formed a partnership with Southern Lakes Parks and Recreation and the Thursday Night Farmer's Market. We're in full partnership with that. We have access to this community, blessed by those in authority. We're going to build a huge slip and slide. We're going to give away ice cream. We're going to have, what was it? Something about uh, slip and slide dodgeball, which is also called like a neck injury night. We're going to have, we're going to have a regatta. We're going to build boats out of a pile of like cardboard and duct tape and plastic wrap and bags. Whichever two-person team can build a boat and get it from one bridge to the other bridge and the Shiawassee River wins $100 to one of the local restaurants. It's going to be fun. We're going to be engaging them. They said, well, what kind of signage would you need? I said, we don't need signs. We are the sign of Christ. We're going to wear t-shirts because t-shirts are cool. You know what I mean? So, well, one question, uh, Reverend, Rabbi brother, pastor, father. You, your people won't be approaching people. Just tell them they're going to hell, right? I said, I just started laughing. I said, why? Well, I'm just saying. I'm like, no, we will not be approaching people telling them that they're going to hell. I said, matter of fact, the people that are going to hell hate to hear that. So no, that will not be our message. You're going to hell. Our message will be, we are, there's a flavor in our community and the church of the living God is going to bring out the flavor. And it's going to taste more like heaven than ever before. I had a pastor call me just uh, two days ago. And he said, hey, you got anything going on this summer? Is there anything we can partner with you about? I'm like, as a matter of fact, we do. That pastor has never called me before on behalf of that congregation to talk about anything like that. How did he know to call me? How did he know we had a plan? A plan. We have an idea. We're forming a plan. Idea, me. Plan, Dina. I got a great, I got a great idea. She's got a whole heap of work, right? Her and her team. But guys... We are going to be out every Thursday night. They say, could you come help us with the Back to the Bricks car show? Can you come help? Can you provide this? Can you do that? I said, listen, we're going to provide thousands of dollars and hundreds of people. And this is going to be the greatest summer in the history of Fed. And they said, they high-fived me. The last time I had communications with Southern Lakes, my, my wife sent them flowers. Because this time I walked in and I was ready for a fight. I got my Lamb's Chapel versus the Board of Education. I'm ready. Am I going too long? Can I hear one more story? I'm having fun. I haven't preached in two weeks. You're getting three months worth of ministry right now. And the guy said, uh, I said, I'm here, to, I'm here to meet with him. And I said, his name is, he said, no, you're not. And I recognized his voice from the phone. I thought he's going to be a curmudgeon. I'm ready. I said, yes, I am. Get on your feet, young man. Let's talk. And, and he's, he came over and he gave me a hug. I'm like, you know, you kind of check your wallet. Was I just pickpocketed? What just happened? There's no knife in my back. What's going on? He said, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, no, I don't. He said, I called you a year ago. I left a voicemail at the church. Ten minutes later, you called me. You were on vacation. And you called me. I had a friend that was a suicidal alcoholic. And you walked me through it for an hour on your vacation. Whatever you want to do this summer, I owe you one. I was like, okay. 
He said, I invited one more person. I thought, okay, I'm ready for the other person. She walks, she goes, ah, Pastor Jim. I'm like, hi. I have no idea who she is. Never seen her before in my life. She goes, do you remember me? I'm like, well, the face is familiar because people have faces. <laughs> she said, I used to go to the church. Do you still do that big 4th of July thing? I said, no, because instead of doing one big day, we're going to do 12 smaller days all summer long here in Fenton. What do you say? She goes, I'm in. Let's do it. We have complete buy-in from Southern Lakes Parks and Recreation. Freedom Center, you are being unleashed on an unwitting uh, community this summer. We're going to train on Sunday. We're going to go on Thursday. We're going to train on Sunday. We're going to go on Thursday. We're going to build people up. We're going to send people out. And if you ever had a heart to lead someone to Jesus, you start praying now, God, this is the summer I get to lead someone to Jesus. This is your summer. This is your summer. So Father, I pray today that you would remind us of a great dream opposition comes. It always comes. It always comes at the worst moment because that's what opposition does. And we don't, we're not mad at anybody. No one that has flesh and blood is our enemy. We pray right now, God, for beautiful, merciful hearts. We also pray, God, for a boldness to take on the enemy because when we know who we are, we cannot be defeated. And when we don't know who we are, we cannot be victorious. So tell us again who we are. Remind us we're not the worst thing we've ever done. We are the best thing you've ever done for us. We are the mind of Christ. We're the voice of Christ. We're the hands of Christ in a community, God. And this is going to be the greatest summer this church, this ministry, this community has ever known, God. I declare that now. Come on, church, pray with me. We declare that that which has been built that needs to be torn down will be torn down. And that which has been torn down that needs to be built will be rebuilt, God, in this city. Nehemiah had a dream and Nehemiah had a city. We have a city and we have a dream, God dream of an army being unleashed, not a congregation stumbling to the local restaurant, but, a, but, a, but an army unleashed upon a community that knows their God and does great exploits, Father. We thank you for those that are, that are lost today, but will be found by September 1st, God. Do a great work, we pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand to your feet all over this room? Listen, I want you to know something. Nobody leave. If you leave, I, 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 I'm threatening you. I will put you on the prospective deacons list for next year's business meeting. I'm telling you, you got to remind yourself who you are sometimes. This song, I love this song. And I, and I love the girl that's singing it. You singing this one? Is this yours? Yeah. It's a testimony of resurrection. It's a testimony. So you're like, Jim, I, I need a fresh start. I need a beginning. This song will give you the words and a prayer to God. You say, you know, I, I've been really kind of lackadaisical and kind of, you know, we socially, we didn't physically distance, we socially distance. The thought of going out in community and handing a hit ice cream cone is terrifying. It's, it's not. Because love compels us to do more than sit around. Come on. We got a summer in front of us, guys. Father, I thank you now for these closing thoughts. I pray that we would make it a song of dedication, a song of, of permission, a song of promise. We find ourselves living it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.